welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. We are streaming live at those times at richardugan.com. Just click on the 2020, the Year of Perfect Vision logo. We encourage you to get a, become a part of that campaign that we have been promoting basically since September of 2019, telling you that 2020 is coming and it's time for us to... Uh, Put a little different focus in our lives. Uh, go within and find out what's going on inside. Uh, listen to that still small voice. Follow your intuition to make your life a better, a better life. And uh, it's not to say that your life isn't good now, but hey, there's always room for improvement. I've said that many, many times when I have talked with people about the stations that I've worked for. They say, well, what do you know about the competition? I said, no clue. I don't care what the competition's doing. My competition is yesterday. Are we better today than we were yesterday? And what about tomorrow? My goal is make tomorrow, make sure that we're better tomorrow than we are today. And it doesn't mean that the day before and the day after are bad. It's just saying, look, let's see if we can't do things more efficiently, make us sound better, et cetera, et cetera. We also encourage you, if you like what we're doing here, you would like to support us financially. We were greatly appreciative of that. PayPal and Patreon are the websites, the accounts that we have, links on our website. And the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many others are where you can listen to the entire program. If you listen to the radio program, you're going to get a lot of information, but you're going to get more if you go to the podcast and click on the grocery cart when you're listening on the playlist of SoundCloud. It'll take you to our guests' website where you can find out more about what they're all about, the work that they're doing. Today's program is a little interesting from the standpoint that, yeah, we're going to be taking a look at the outer world, the behavior of others, if you will, and try to figure out what in the world is going on, maybe find out why, and how we can maybe fix it. I don't know if we can or not. The uh, book today, the subject matter, has to do with uh, psychopaths. And no, this is not Criminal Minds. I can tell you that right now. Not one of my favorite shows anyway. But the program is going to focus on the psychopath epidemic. Now, I'm going to self-censor here just because of FCC rules and regs. Why the world is so effed up. And what you can do about it. If we can do anything, I guess we'll find out. It's a disturbing look. Yeah, it kind of is. At the psychopaths who <clears throat> run the world and how to survive <laughs> their toxic influence. With our guest, all the way from... Uh, I'll stay away from the jokes. All the way from Australia. It is um, Cameron Riley. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Richard. Good morning. This is, you know, when I saw the title, I actually spent a couple of days debating. How is this relevant to what we talk about on this program? New paradigms for a new world. Looking for those new ways of living and giving people choices and knowledge of those choices to help make their dreams come true. And the more I thought about it, the more appropriate I realized this was. Because we have people who are exhibiting behaviors that have been labeled psychopathic. And we're going to define those, uh, some of our terms as well. Uh, and uh, basically, they're just out for themselves. It's all ego. It's all, in some cases, maniacal. 
And it's like, when are we going to get rid of these people and get people in there who care about you and me and and the world at large and, and so forth? Uh, first of all, what is a psychopath? Well, that's a very good question. Um, and if you ask a whole bunch of practicing psychiatrists and psychologists, you'll probably get a number of different answers. Um, if you ask the FBI, they will tell you that a psychopath is somebody who exhibits a profound lack of remorse for their actions, uh, both uh, violent and nonviolent. The key the key to psychopaths is understanding that for whatever reason, some genetic and some as a result of their experiences early on in life, they have a profound lack of empathy, very, very low empathy for others. And this enables them to hurt other people physically or non-physically. You know, they can get involved in having somebody fired if they're a boss, etc., and not, not feel any guilt, not feel any remorse for their action. Uh, you know, I often say that all of us can and probably do bad things from time to time. We lie, we cheat, we steal, um, we betray the confidences of uh, others, our friends and family. But when we do those things, a healthy person feels bad about it. We lose some sleep. We feel some anxiety. If we get, we, we might get caught out, etc. Psychopaths don't experience those kinds of internal psychological and emotional repercussions when they hurt others. In fact, on days when they do hurt others, they probably have the best nights' sleeps of their lives, and they they feel like they're a hashtag winner because they did something that increased their personal power and or wealth. And so they feel good about that. So that's the key thing that I think people need to understand about psychopaths. It's this, this profound lack of empathy. Their brains are wired in such a way that they don't feel empathy for others. And consequently, they don't have guilt. They don't have remorse. They tend also to have very high appetites for risk. And they tend to have an inherent feeling of superiority to the people around them. They tend to go and spend their lives uh, searching for ways to increase their own personal power and wealth because they genuinely believe that they inherently deserve more power, more wealth than the people around them because they're better than the people around them. They are superior and everyone else should just get out of the way and give them what they deserve. Now, if we were to start going down the laundry list of individuals that we could label as psychopaths, we'd be talking about a lot of leaders of countries in particular uh, let alone heads of corporations. And again, we're talking globally here, not just uh, one country. Um, and being a psychopath in and of itself isn't illegal in any country, but it's the actions that are taken by that individual that could cross that line, right? Yes, uh, and you know, quite often do. Um, and you know, the, this, 
this book started when I sat down to try and figure out why the world was such a mess. Uh, why is it that almost daily in the news headlines, I read about somebody, a politician, a business leader, a leader of uh, religion, or leaders of the military, or law enforcement, the justice system, the media, it goes on and on and on, doing horrendous things. I would, I would read these stories and go, well, I can't imagine myself ever doing something like that. Yeah. Uh, 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 how is it that these people seem to do these terrible, terrible things and it, and, and they seem to not only do it, but then will defend it. Um, and, and then the organizations that they run end up in quite often embodying these tendencies inside of the cultures of the organization. So it started off as an exploration of trying to understand that and then understand what we might be able to do about it. And, uh, in, I just happened to be uh, reading a lot of uh, the uh, medical literature around psychopathy at the time and uh, ended up putting two and two together that, aha, well, this behavior does seem to be psychopathic. It maps absolutely to what the medical literature says about what we know about psychopaths. So then I started to think about these behavioral characteristics of psychopaths. As I said before, they're willing to do things that other people won't in order to increase their own power and wealth. They also tend to be extremely charming because at an early age, they figure out that they're different from the people around them. They don't have the same emotions uh, that the people around them have. And, and many of them learn to mimic or mirror the emotions that they think the people around them expect them to have. Consequently, they can be very, very charming when they want to be. And so you think about, okay, you've got somebody who's very, very charming, is willing to do things that others aren't, uh, and including hurting people either close to them or inside of the organization that they work for or customers outside of the organization or society in general. They're willing to pollute rivers and, and pollute the air or, or do a horrible thing as send people off to invade a country or whatever it is, pass legislation that they know is going to have far-reaching damaging consequences. They're willing to do these things. So if you had a person like that in a typical organization, and I've I've worked for some very large organizations. I worked for Microsoft for nearly a decade. How would a person with those inherent characteristics do inside of an organization, whether it's business or political or religious or whatever, as I said before? And while some of them may rub people up the wrong way at different stages and, and burn too many bridges, I actually think most organizations would not only support those kinds of behaviors, they would in fact encourage and reward those sorts of behaviors, depending on the culture of the organization. So yes, they end up doing things quite often that are illegal, certainly unethical, and immoral, as long as it will increase their personal wealth and power, they have absolutely no qualms about pushing the button. 
I would venture that these uh, individuals do not have uh, any kind of spiritual life. Is that a fair assessment? No, they don't. Yeah, look, I, I think that is. Um, they may pretend to have mm -hmm. a spiritual life if they think that is what they need to display in order to increase their wealth and power. But they don't, I think, even have an ideology. Like people quite often ask me, uh, uh, you're more likely to find psychopaths in on the left or on the right? And I just answer yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you're going to find them everywhere. They're going to be Republican psychopaths and Democrat psychopaths and Greens psychopaths. You're going to find them uh, in in uh, their senior ranks of capitalist countries and in the senior ranks of communist countries. You're going to find them everywhere and anywhere. The only ideology a psychopath has is what's best for me. Hmm. All right. So we see these people in government, in business, in our families, maybe, God forbid. Uh, I can honestly say that I am not one. Uh, and that's another good question. Can an individual actually say that? No, I'm not a psychopath. Or is that a th psychopathic statement? <laughs> What's the self-test? Huh. Yeah, the, there's a number of ways of testing psychopathy in yourself or in others. I mean, to do it properly, you want to do it with a psychiatrist or a psychologist in a, in a clinical setting. The first place I'd recommend people start, though, if they're interested in thinking about themselves or the people around them, is look for something called the PCLR test, the Psychopath Checklist Revised. It was developed several decades ago by a Canadian criminal psychologist, Robert Hare, H-A-R-E, Hare, you know, rabbit. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's one of the it's one of the standard ways of uh, testing for psychopathy. It's forty questions that you can ask yourself as a self test, or you can uh, ask another person, or, or think about another person and how they uh, uh, would rank on this checklist. And the higher the score that you get, the the, the bigger the number that you get out of this, the uh, more likely it is that you're a psychopath. Oh, wow. Now, you can do it yourself. And one of the interesting things about testing others, too, is that we have to understand that psychopaths are quite happy to acknowledge their inherent behaviors and tendencies to you because, quite frankly, they don't care what you think. You've got to remember that they are superior to you. You're a loser. They're a winner. And their behaviors the way that they think, the way that they feel, makes them a winner in their minds. And what you think about them is completely irrelevant because they're a winner and you're a loser. And if you want to call them a psychopath, they will take the badge and stick it proudly on their chest and go, call me whatever you like because you're a loser. Unless they may try and avoid the, the label if they genuinely believe it will have a significant impact on their ability to maintain their status of wealth and power. But in most situations, they will just grin and nod and laugh it off and go, yeah, I probably am. So what? What are you going to do about it? It's been said that uh, people in uh, those higher echelon areas of business or government 
uh, especially specifically those in government elected, uh, have to have a pretty big ego. What's the difference between having a big ego versus being a psychopath? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Look, I think you can have a big ego in terms of being willing to put yourself out there and and uh, stand up and fight for the things that you believe in and be willing to put yourself front and center to to have uh, a sense of confidence in your personal vision for society or, or the business that you're in, the organization that you're in, to have a, a high level of self-belief, a high level of confidence in your ability to get things done, in your ability to tackle problems. I don't think there's anything inherently psychopathic about that. The key question will be how much empathy does that person have for the people around them? And in order to rise into the senior ranks of many organizations or to get elected as a politician, quite often you need to be willing to take out your opponents. You need to be willing to play dirty to take out your opponents. And psychopaths are just a lot more willing to do that. They're a lot more willing to take it to the gutter and destroy the reputations and the lives and the families of the people who get in their way on their path to power. So there's there's not a lot of great uh, studies done on this. It's not like anyone has done clinical interviews with a thousand politicians around the world to determine which of them are psychopaths, although that is what I'm arguing we need to start to do. If there's one thing that we can do to limit the ability of psychopaths to do damage in society, I think it's to start acknowledging what a psychopath looks like. You know, I, I think, unfortunately, today, the general public still thinks that psychopaths are serial killers and uh, mass murderers and third world dictators. Thanks to Hollywood, that's the idea that we have about what a psychopath is. Although the psychopaths are more likely to be the movie studio bosses that made those films and television shows. Yeah. And the mm -hmm. politicians whose campaigns they finance at expensive uh, dinner parties afterwards. But the number one thing we can do, I think, is to get all people who are in management or seeking power, political power, etc., to sit a psychopath test so we know at least what we're dealing with, and then we need to build some governance systems to prevent these psychopaths from exercising their most dangerous tendencies. Uh, of course, that also crosses a line, too, from the standpoint, if they haven't done anything illegal, uh, you are expecting them to do so. So it's almost like you're you're sort of uh, uh, laying out uh, the scenario for that movie that Tom Hanks was in. Tom Hanks. Uh, Tom Cruise was in uh, called The Minority Report, where you have these. Uh, well, he'd be the first person I would test. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, well, okay, you're you have number 1. You have ticket number 1. I'll take ticket number 2. Yeah. Okay? Uh and that is certainly uh, unfortunately a, a a sad reality in which we live. 
Now, you say, just by virtue of the title of the book, you say it's an epidemic. Is it really as bad as all that, or is it just because uh, we have greater exposure of these psychopaths today and that the percentage of psychopaths is the same as it's been down through history based upon the size of the population? I mean, we're at almost 8 billion people. Are there really, by percentage, more psychopaths? And I say percentage. There's a big difference between that and the numbers. But by percentage today than there were, say, 100, 500, 1,000 years ago, as far as we know. Yeah, as far as we know, uh, no. The percentage is possibly the same, although very hard to know with any confidence whether or not this is a growing problem in terms of percentages. Mm -hmm. But... Here's my, my theory, Richard, on this, is if you go back, and I'm, I'm an historian by trade. I, I, I've produced thousands and thousands of hours of history programming over the last 20 years. And, so, and a lot of that is studying uh, a lot of the major characters in history, from Alexander the Great through to the Caesars, through to uh, the period, the Renaissance, the kings and popes and Medici leaders of the Renaissance and the leaders of the Cold War, Etc. And so it's quite it's quite easy to look at a lot of the major characters in those stories and ask yourself, are they or could they have been psychopaths? But I, here's a, here's where I think the difference is. If you go back in history, uh, two three hundred years or further, let's say you were a you were a psychopath and you were born in a small village in uh, a rural area of Europe or, or England or the United States uh, or, well, in, in Australia, you just would have been in a tribe of indigenous Australians 500 years ago. Um, and uh, you, you, you had all of the inherent capabilities of a psychopath. Your ability to seek wealth and power was extremely limited. It was very hard to get out of the village if, if your, your father was a, a, a farmer or a, a tool maker or, or a, a carpenter of some kind, um, very hard for you to figure out how to get wealth and power. Now, there, there were opportunities. You could uh, join the church. You could go to seminary and you could work your way up through the ranks of the church and eventually become a, a bishop or a, or a cardinal or even pope. And certainly when you study history, it's quite easy to look at a lot of bishops, cardinals and popes and go, wow, that's that behavior certainly seems psychopathic to me. But there was a there was a very limited number of positions where you could do those things. It was you, you could also put together a, uh, some sort of a marauding band of, uh, uh, you know, thieves or you could join some kind of military and work your way up through those ranks. You could become a condottieri if you were in Renaissance Italy, like a, a paid mercenary. But it was the opportunities to exercise your psychopath powers was limited. But today in modern capitalist societies, it's a lot easier for that person born in, let's say, a, a small country town to jump on a bus or a train or jump in their car and drive to the nearest big city, get a job, any number of thousands of businesses, 
and work their way up through the ranks by being the smiling assassin who knifes everyone who gets in their way until they put themselves in a position of wealth and power. It's far easier today than it has ever been in history for psychopaths to find an avenue to achieve their ambition of wealth and power, thanks, I believe, to capitalism. So are you an advocate uh, that we need to get rid of or reform capitalism? Well, absolutely, it goes without question that it needs reform. Uh, whether or not you know we can get rid of it at one day, I, I think it would be terrific if we could evolve to a higher form of socioeconomic cooperation. But in the short term, it definitely needs reform. And I think the place to start, I argue in my book that the number one problem facing the world today is psychopaths in positions of wealth and power. If you look at all of the other problems that we talk about in the media, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's whether it's climate change or it's uh, wealth inequality or it's uh, terrorism, all of these issues could be solved far more quickly and effectively, I believe, if we could limit the ability of the psychopaths at the top of our food chain to exercise their worst inherent tendencies. I can only think at this moment of maybe one or two of our leaders, uh, and this is at the very top, uh, that could be labeled as such. And I'm not making this assessment. I've heard this said by others, so I am repeating it. I'm not stating it, ladies and gentlemen, our current president and possibly Nixon um, because of the, the so especially some of the dialogue you hear from the, the, the tapes from Nixon, but even some of the other presidents that were pretty. I mean, Truman was known to have a pretty vile tongue. I mean, you know, he, he didn't didn't banty words around. He. He told you what he thought, and he'd throw a few uh, words in there that we can't say on FCC-controlled radio here in, in the States. Um, but well, Richard, he, Truman, yes. Truman dropped two nuclear weapons on mostly civilian populations, killing hundreds of thousands of innocent yeah. men, women, and children. Mm-hmm. Now, some will say, well, yeah, but it ended the war. And I would say, go read a history book, because that's nonsense. Yeah. Well, and again, I, I don't I don't take a, a view. My position, <clears throat> especially with the most recent uh, tragic uh, plane uh, uh, that was brought down, <clears throat> is that it's on the president and not on the country that brought it down. Because if uh, there were two other presidents, both a Republican and a president uh, and a Democratic president who said, we're not going after this guy because of the unintended consequences that we don't know what will happen. And, of course, this president said, no, I'm going to get him. I'm going to take him down. And he did. And then this plane was brought down. And it's like so someone said to me, so are you telling me that we shouldn't be going after these people? And I'm telling and I said, absolutely. I said, we have got to stop doing this stuff because we're not learning from history. I think it was quite uh, adequately said. And I, I, I wish I could remember who it came from. I think it maybe have been Gandhi who said if you if if you live by an eye for an eye, the whole world goes blind. 
because we're all guilty. I mean, this 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 whole mentality from my perspective, and maybe I'm one of those wild eyed, radical, liberal left wing. No, I am a person who looks at things from more of a logical perspective and saying this is not helping. When I hear of the name calling on the various uh, news channels and it doesn't matter which side, I sit here going, how is that helping to solve the problems that we have for you calling them names and them calling you names? Uh, I, I just don't I just don't get it. And I don't know, maybe it's is it my naivete? I'm just too stupid to 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 think in those those mindsets. I, I mean, we just I, I loved an interview that I did not too long ago, uh, Cameron, <clears throat> with a gentleman who travels to the Middle East quite often. He's got some problems in the Middle East, too. I mean, he does personally in terms of his access to certain areas. And uh, he would hold interfaith gatherings with the youth. And he said he shared with me in an interview. He was actually surprised in our second interview that that was the one thing I really remembered from the first interview. I said, well, you told me that the youth were telling you and these were Israeli and Palestinian kids, teenagers. They were telling him they were telling their parents, basically, and I paraphrase or he even paraphrased, mom, dad, you know, this little skirmish you got going on with the people on the other side of that wall. We don't want any part of it. That's yours, not ours. And it's like, oh, my God, there's hope. There's hope for the rest of the world because the young people don't want to fight. And so I'm wondering if this concept of the psychopath running things and getting away with all of the kinds of stuff that's going on. Do you think that this next generation uh, might, if, if not this, then the one following it that's coming up for running for various offices uh, do you think that that population is going to maybe have fewer psychopaths by by uh, uh, by percentage than the current the current uh, uh, group that's running the world? No, not really. I mean, oh. if if we accept and and again, this is a big uh, assumption, but if we accept that the percentage of the human race that are born or made psychopathic uh, in their early years has been relatively consistent throughout history. And again, this is an assumption or a guess. We have absolutely no way of, yeah. of knowing that with any certainty. Uh, it, it's like people being born with red hair or being born left-handed. I mean, th- these are just statistical uh, – psychopath might be a statistical uh, fact – that a certain number of people are born with the empathy part of their brain malformed. There's no reason for me to think that the millennials or the generation that comes after them or after that one will have fewer psychopaths than current generations alive on the planet today. The question will be, will they address the problem better than we have addressed it to date. You know, guys, so the, the understanding of mental disorders is relatively new. Yeah. Uh, go, go back a century ago, and we just considered people evil. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a, a spiritual denomination um, or insane. It's, it's only been since the 50s that we've started to develop an understanding of what a psychopath is and in fact, if you look at the clinical literature, if you open up the sort of the psychiatry Bible, the DSM-5, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, it 
bundles up psychopathy and sociopathy and some other disorders into an umbrella term, antisocial personality disorder. And our understanding of these things is still relatively limited. So we haven't really dealt with this yet in society. I was talking to a forensic psychologist yesterday about this issue of corporate psychopathy. And, uh, you know, he was he, what he's arguing is that HR departments in organizations and business organizations need to start filtering for psychopaths during the recruitment process. He said it, it starts there. Mm -hmm. We, you know, dealing with the ones that are already in powers is one issue. The second issue is start to acknowledge, he said, like most job interviews, even in the more sophisticated large organizations, don't even have this on their radar yet that we need to try and uh, uh, stop ourselves from hiring psychopaths into the organization. So we're, we're, at, we're at ground zero, not ground zero, patient, not even patient. We're just at zero mm -hmm. for understanding <laughs> how to deal with this problem. Yeah. Um, and, and that's sort of the argument that I'm trying to make with this book is we need to take this seriously and we need to do something about it and we need to start now. Do you think that that's one of the reasons why we aren't dealing globally uh, at a level that we should be with the issues of, and this is the way I put it, bear in mind, uh, and please bear with me, this is the way I put it, with cleaning up the planet. See, I don't care about climate change. Climate change to me is irrelevant because it, it conjures up too many other arguments uh, for doing nothing. And so when I get into conversations with people about this and they say we shouldn't do anything, I say, well, so what you're telling me is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether we clean up the planet. And if that's the case, Cameron, uh, if it doesn't matter, then I'm going to come over to your house with all of my garbage for the week and I'm going to dump it on your front lawn. Then I'm coming in your house and over in the corner there next to your TV, I'm going to leave you a little gift because it doesn't matter. And that's the argument where I'm coming from. You know, set aside the science. Forget about the science. Uh, let's clean this place up. This is the only home that we have. You can dream about going to Mars and colonizing. But right now, the reality is this is where we live. And if we don't clean it up, we're going to have the sixth, as some people believe, the sixth human extinction event. Uh, that man has experienced in the uh, existence of humanity. Um, and, and I'm wondering if it's because of these psychopaths that are in control of the corporations around the world and the, govern and the governments that the people who want to clean the place up are having so much blowback and so much resistance. And yet some people are still there saying, For, I don't care what you tell me. You do whatever you want. I'm going to build the largest vacuum cleaner that I can build, you know, and I'm going to clean this place up. Yeah. Well, look, I, I agree with your sentiment that cleaning up the world is important. Unfortunately, I, I suspect it probably doesn't carry the sense of urgency that we need to have to address this issue. I mean, if, if the vast majority of publishing climate scientists are correct, we 
are either running out of time to address this issue or we have already run out of time and now it's just trying to contain the damage as much as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to help people really internalise the sense of urgency that we are looking at here. But yeah. I agree with you that psychopaths are making it and have made it and continue to make it incredibly difficult to get anything done. And it's not just the politicians. It's the leaders of large corporations with a vested interest in not changing things. Mm -hmm. It's the psychopaths running the media with a vested interest in not changing things because they have financial ties to the fossil fuel industry. It's uh, the people that are creating the confusion, who are creating political theatre, who are creating disinformation to... Uh, make it seem like there are two sides of the argument, and yet NASA says that 97% of publishing climate scientists agree that humans are a significant cause of the problem. So it's it's we again, yes, we need to deal with the psychopaths. Mm -hmm. We're talking with uh, Cameron Riley. Is author, he's the author of the Psychopathic Epidemic and uh, why the world is so effed up. <laughs> and, and what you can do about it. We're going to talk more about more of what you can do because you've already started to mention some of the things that we can do. And uh, you're absolutely right. Like at the uh, at the uh, the interviewing for a job situation, you know, uh, you know, the problem is, is that once you've hired them, it's very difficult to get rid of them unless you can really have just cause with a lot of the laws in this country in particular uh, that protect the worker, which, again, I'm not opposed to that. But, you know, you get to a certain point where it's like if I if I had an employee like the leader of the free world is right now, I don't know how much we'd get done. I'd be dealing more with HR issues than I would with the the business of 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 broadcasting, I think. Can I can I just interrupt there and say yes. that on behalf of the rest of the world, we don't <laughs> acknowledge that the U.S. president is the leader of the world of the free world. That's a piece of you. That's a piece of U.S. propaganda that, ah. on behalf of the rest of the world, <laughs> okay. I outright reject. <laughs> okay, so is uh, the Australian president the leader of the uh, free world? <laughs> just asking. Uh, well. We, we don't have a president, uh, for a start. Beg your and, pardon. Uh, God, God, I hope not, uh, <laughs> in, in respect to our prime minister, who prime minister. is uh, an, an, an appalling human being, as far as I can tell. Despite being a very public uh, evangelical Christian, he by his actions, he's uh, an incredibly terrible leader. All right. Well, uh, with that said, we're going to take a brief break. We're going to come back and talk more about this. I, I want to get into another area that uh, that you certainly uh, are going to be able to address as far as this is concerned. And we'll do that when we come back here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. Stay right where you are.